Now, we've discussed on this program at length uh, all of the power grabs of the Democrats, the radical New Green Deal socialists in Washington. We've, we've talked a lot about, for example, they want to pack the courts. They had their commission. They were split, but they seem to entertain the idea of term limiting Supreme Court justices. And and again, this is this because they want to get what they never get past. They want an activist judiciary to get what they themselves would never get legislatively or accomplish at the ballot box because people wouldn't vote for it. So they want activist justices to basically legislate from the bench which is not their role. We have three co-equal branches of government. D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico statehood. What, what has that all been about? Well, that's about they think they'd get four permanent Democratic senators because these are areas where they, they have deemed them to be liberal, obviously. Uh, they've talked about ending the filibuster. Now, another power grab that is going on that most of you have not been paying a lot of attention to uh, has to do with redistricting and this attempt by Democrats to addressing the issue of Democrats hell-bent on using the re redistricting process for their own political gains. Anyway, the Republican National Committee, uh, literally, they have now named the co-chairs, Governor Chris Christie, former Governor Chris Christie of uh, the state of New Jersey, and Mike Pompeo, uh, of course, Secretary of State under Donald Trump, uh, to chair the National Republican Redistricting Trust. Uh, uh, they both join us now. Uh, Mr. Secretary, let me start with you. Uh, this would be a huge power grab. We see this often after the census is taken, uh, and it's the process has now begun. They're, they are hell-bent on getting seats back by redistricting in a way that's favorable to them. John, thanks for having Governor and I on. This, this, we've gotten rolled. Republicans have gotten rolled. We've, we've turned the other cheek. We've let them walk all over us. Uh, the Democrats have had a program led by former President Obama, and you remember former Attorney General Eric Holder. They've been running this redistricting scam for a bit and using political power to grab and protect uh, districts that they cared about, state legislators. This, this matters an awful lot. We, we, we are prepared, Governor Chris United, to support state legislators and making sure we have fair maps. Uh, these gerrymandered maps in Illinois that showed up last week, a court finally threw them out. Um, this is serious business to make sure that the Democrats don't try to rip rip off uh, the American voters from having a chance to vote for the people that actually represent them. All right, so now, you, uh, Governor Christie, welcome back to the program. So you're working with Mike Pompeo. How do you stop this? Well, you stop it a few ways, Sean. Thanks for having us both on, as, as the Secretary said. You know, you, you start off by making sure that each one of these states has the expertise, technical expertise, and the funding necessary to hire the lawyers to fight what invariably is going to come. Obama and Holder want to sue to keep blue. That's what they want to do. They've done it in places in the past, like Florida and North Carolina and Pennsylvania. In fact, they have a five-seat majority right now. Eight of those seats they won through lawsuits in those three states. And so, you know, that's one part. And the second part is, you know, the Republicans needed to have spokesmen who were going to go out there and take on Obama and Holder directly. And, and that's what the secretary and I are here for. And we've been on media all over this country and will continue to be. I've been on the ground in Minnesota helping them fight. Mike's been traveling to a number of different states. Um, and that's the way we're going to do it. We're going to fight verbally, and we're going to make sure that they have the technical expertise and the resources they need to fight in court and win in court like we did in Illinois 
just this week in getting those maps thrown out. Mr. Secretary, if you go back a decade, Republicans had no organization. And I do like the term pseudo stay blue campaign. The Democrats, they often outsmart Republicans on issues like this. Are you confident that you will be able to take it to them and not allow this new power grab? Because we know what's happening. They see Biden's numbers are cratering. They see even Terry McAuliffe in in a blue state like the Commonwealth of Virginia. They know that this is a disaster in the making. And the only way they, they think they can even have a shot at keeping power is redistricting. <laughs> That's exactly right. And they are determined and they have resources. And the good news is that we are equally determined and Governor Christie and I are going to make sure we have the resources as well. Um, we can get this right. We've never fought these things before. We've just kind of stood down and we watched them just take advantage of us. We're not going to let that happen. When we talk to, when Governor Christie and I talk to people about this, they intrinsically get it. And, you know, I, I watch these maps. Illinois is the perfect example, right? They were, they were going to do real harm to minorities in that state. The, the Democrats are about power, not in the people's best interest. And Governor Christie and I believe deeply that we can help get these maps right and protect the things that Americans care most deeply about. You know, you guys both, it's inevitable, and I was glad to see that you understand how they operate, is they're going to sue no matter what. Under any set of circumstances, they have used the courts in the past as a weapon to get what they want with redistricting. Governor Christie, will that work for them this time, or will Republicans stop it? Well, we'll stop it, Sean, and we're going to stop it in two different ways. The first way is if they sue, um, if they sue first, um, we're going to have the best lawyers we can find, um, and we're going to have fair maps that we're proposing that will give the court a real alternative. But the second way is for us to be aggressive up front to cut off their lawsuits at, at, at the top, where we put fair, constitutional, compact maps out there to be considered in the states that we control right now, that process, and we make sure we do it the right way. What the Secretary and I have told every one of the governors who's in charge of this is this simply. You do fair, constitutional, compact maps, and we will have your back. And I think one of the reasons that both of us agreed to do this is we both have the reputation of not mincing words um, in public life. I think the Secretary and I have been very direct, and we're not only going to be direct as we were with our own governors to tell them, that we have their back, but we're also going to be very directed calling Barack Obama and Eric Holder out for what they are. It says in their own mission statement, Sean, in their group, that they're not about making fair maps. They want to make maps that elect more Democrats. Well, okay, we're going to take that mission statement and we're going to stick it in their ear every time they walk into court and try to act like they're trying to do something fair for the people. Let me look at a broader question, and, and that is you have a more establishment wing of the Republican Party, and you have a more conservative wing, and I would argue that that would be more of the Trump base of the Republican Party. To me, being a conservative, I can sum it up in a minute, and that is, as a conservative, I believe in liberty, freedom, capitalism. I believe in our Constitution. I believe in limited government, lower taxes, less bureaucracy, free markets. We believe in choice and education. We believe law and order is fundamental so people can pursue happiness and, and safety and security. We want free market solutions to health care that would protect people that can't afford it and also protect people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, we want conservative justices that believe in the Constitution on the bench. We want secure borders, legal immigration. We want the energy independence back that Joe Biden gave up. Uh, we want free and fair trade and peace through strength. 
uh, Secretary of State Pompeo. That is not what every Republican believes, and then some believe it, but they don't want to fight for it. John, we all have to fight for it. This redistricting effort that Governor Christie and I are engaging in, we, we know it's going to be litigation. We know this is going to be a knife fight. This is about this is about America and our most fundamental tradition of how we make sure we have elections that not only have integrity, but that the districts people are voting in actually represent real people who care about those same things you just articulated so well. This is a fight. We're not going to give an inch, and we're prepared to provide the resources and firepower to make sure that every American gets a chance to vote in an election where the candidates actually represent them with a compact, fair constitutional map and not a not a squad-delivered progressive map. Well, let me ask the, the question a different way to Governor Christie. I, I was there the night emceeing Newt Gingrich's event, the night he became Speaker. Republicans were out of power in the House for 40 years. Um, is there anything that I mentioned on that list that you think Republicans disagree with? Not the Republicans I know, Sean. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, if they've forgotten about it, if some of them had made it less any one of those things, that's a priority. You know, this is one thing that I agree with Barack Obama on. Elections have consequences. And we have seen what the consequences are of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer being in charge. That they're taking off after all of those principles and trying to make us a but, but here's my bigger question, because you do have these factions. You, you do have this, this split, in a sense. To me, there's got to be a unifying message that's simple. What I, I, I can say it in a minute, what it means to me to be a conservative. Uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, is that something that every conservative, every Republican should put on paper and support, that they will fight for those things and, and put aside petty differences? Amen, Sean, every one of them, from... from the, the, the most liberal Republican to the most conservative, they should stand behind the, the list that you just presented. Spot on captures the tradition, whether it's uh, Lincoln or Reagan or Trump, captures the tradition of uh, central understandings of conservatism. And I, I don't think there are many Republicans I have encountered that shouldn't simply state them and make clear that these are the things we're willing to fight for. And we're going to fight for them in a way that delivers them for the American people. Quick break. We'll come back more with Governor Chris Christie and more with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. All right, as we continue with Governor Chris Christie and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, I believe both of you are going to do your job. I know you both personally. I know I know you're both fighters. Uh, I don't always agree with you, Governor Christie, just as a side note. Uh, but I know you're a fighter. Um, I know that you're going to go to the map when you take on a project like this. The reality is, though, is has the time come that Republicans unite around an agenda? If you want to say America first, say America first. You want to call it the Make America Great Again agenda? Fine. You want to call it conservative solutions? I don't really care what you call it. But I think people need to put their pen to paper and sign a document. We will accomplish these things. We will fight for these items if you give us a chance, because what's happening now in Washington is not working. We better do it, Sean, and we better do it. Um, and if we get a, if we get power back here in 2022 and 2024, we better do what we said we were going to do. You know, we said we were going to get rid of Obamacare. We didn't do it. 
We said we were going to make government smaller. We didn't do it. We said we weren't going to run up more debt. We didn't do it. I mean, you know, the fact is that, you know, we have to stand by these things and then we have to deliver. There's one well, I, w- I would take a little issue with you on a couple of things, though. Trump cut taxes. Trump got rid of more regulation than any president in the last hundred years. Uh, he appointed the judges he said he'd appoint. He built the wall he said he'd built. He got us energy independence we haven't had in 75 years. He beat the caliphate. He took out Soleimani and Baghdadi and Associates. Uh, and I believe that Russia and Iran and China genuinely feared him. And I think Secretary of State Pompeo can confirm that. I, I didn't disagree with any of what you just said. I said we said we get rid of Obamacare. We didn't. We said that we wouldn't run up more debt. And we did. Um, and, and I, I agree with you, by the way, on the Obamacare. How could they not have? They had 65 show votes to get rid of Obamacare, but they weren't ready when the moment came. So my point is, Sean, that we can say it and we can write it down like we've done it in, in the past. But now we have to do it. And on those things, that's what is going to give us greater credibility. And that's what is going to give us the support of the American people to be able to get all those other things that you talked about done as well. But we've got to be good to our word. And if we're not good to our word, we're going to be held to account for that, too. So I think every Republican should be good to their word. Um, And we and those of us who are leaders in the party need to hold everybody to account for that. Well, let me make a pledge to both of you. And if at any point you need to get your message out about these shenanigans, please, please come here. I also think we've got to focus in on election integrity. Voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody controls, updated voter rolls. Uh, If you're not legally in the country, you shouldn't be allowed to vote like in some places in Vermont. And last but not least, and I think very importantly, when states have laws that say partisan observers get to watch the count up close, start to finish, we've got to have that, too. Any disagreement? Last word, Mike Pompeo. Nope, I think you'd have two votes from Governor Christie and I for each of those items. Uh, we, we confirm that as we work to get this redistricting, we're going to make sure, too, that we get those kinds of ideas built into every state's election system so that we know we not only have fair districts, but we've got good election integrity as we move forward. This election, there'll be people voting almost uh, less than nine months from now, Sean, for the election in 22. It's around the corner, and the work that Governor Christie and I are doing is fiercely aimed at making sure that Biden doesn't have free reign the way he does today. Well, I want you both to know you can deputize this audience, and if we're on almost 700 stations now, and if you come on and say, we need your help here, I'm pretty confident people would react very favorably to helping you. Well, I accept the offer, Sean. I know the secretary does also. And we are going to be calling upon you frequently because let me tell you, Obama and Holder are going to fight us and they're going to fight dirty. And we're going to need to go right back at them. And that's exactly what the secretary and I have signed up for. And having you on the team and your audience makes us even more powerful. Yeah. Eric Holder, when they go low, we kick them. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Anyway, appreciate you both. Uh, Governor Christie, thank you. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. By the way, you're working out because you're it looks like your workout's working. What are you doing? Uh, you, you, you told me I got to work hard. I'm trying to get it done. <laughs> uh, I work out an hour and a half a day, and I don't have the time for it at any one day. Trust me. Uh, all right, guys, thank you. Uh, we'll follow this very, very closely. When we come back, we're going to get an update from Marsha Blackburn. She's working hard to uh, on these vaccine mandates. We, we are now potentially losing tens of thousands of critical workers at a time we can't afford to lose them. We'll get an update there. And then later in the program, Rand Paul will join us. 
Yeah, we've got uh, Dr. Fauci, the liar, and he's got the evidence straight ahead. 25 now till the top of the hour. Toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Listen, we're, we're following the Virginia gubernatorial race closely. And we had the Republican candidate, Youngkin, on TV and radio yesterday. And, and we'll continue to follow it. And the polls, as I told you yesterday, Glenn Youngkin, 46%. Terry McCullough, 46%. Now, the Commonwealth of Virginia is not a purple state. It's not a red state. It's a blue state. The fact that those polls are that tight at this point, and anecdotally, you watch the, the biggest blunder in the world with Terry McAuliffe. Uh, parents shouldn't be telling teachers how to, do, you know, what they should be teaching their kids. Any smart person would welcome the involvement of concerned parents that are willing to devote their time for a better education and an opportunity for the better opportunity for their kids. And and that's insanity. And then, of course, he has a hissy fit. You, you should have asked better questions. He leaves halfway through the time and the interview it was only 10 minutes in. It was a scheduled 20 minute interview. And I can tell you, as somebody that does this, somebody gives me 20 minutes. I'm taking 30 or 35. I'm taking as much as I can, assuming that they're interest, interesting and worth talking to. I mean, it's it, now this is how real it is. Now, I also think Carvel, there's always a, a method behind his madness. And Carvel's not a dumb guy. And I've known him for many years. And Carvel knows every trick in the book. And I think he's trying to create an atmosphere of utter panic for Virginia Democrats to motivate them to get off their ass and go out to the polls and vote for Terry McAuliffe. That's what I think is happening. Do I think that he has the juice that he used to have? No, I don't think Carvel has the juice he had when Bill Clinton was president. But here's his panic. Yeah, it's close. There's no doubt about it. And I'm scared to death. And, and as I, and other Democrats should be, and the solution to that is, if you know people in Virginia, call them and ask them to vote. If you're in Virginia, call other people and ask them to vote. But the only thing I can tell you, it's a close race. It's a close race, to say the least. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. It's going to be up to the people of Virginia. Remember, the swamp in Washington, All as the bureaucracy has grown in D.C., well, so has the population of Northern Virginia. That's where a lot of the swamp creatures live. And and that's my fear about, oh, people leaving New York and California in droves and headed towards, you know, South and North Carolina and Tennessee and Texas and Florida uh, and Georgia uh, because they're bringing their dumb politics with them. So they'll destroy the next state they go to if they go in mass. You know, every every person that leaves New York, I, I'm telling you, nine out of ten are probably pretty liberal. And what would make them vote? Well, about that. Well, New York City, I should say. New York City is about nine to one. Curtis Lee, I thought, had a great debate, by the way. Did very well. Was proud of him. Supporting him for mayor. He's got an uphill battle. Um, anyway, let's get to our phones. Uh, let's say hi to James in California. Apparently, James, his heart is troubled, and I am here to help untrouble your heart. What's going on, my friend? Well, the big question we have is, uh, do you really believe we can win an election? I mean, do you really believe that in your yeah, heart? Yeah, yes, I do. Even I do. After California, where everybody in California no, like, I'll do some well, again. That's a whole different que question. California, you live in the United Socialist Utopia of California. Your state is gone. The state I'm in right now, New York, is gone. There's no fixing it. It's gone. And and this is what well, is this, this is what makes a national run 
for president so difficult for any conservative or Republican? And that is you got to run the table. First, you got to win Florida and Ohio. Those are those are not slam dunk states. Then you got to win Georgia. Now we see what's been happening in Georgia lately, trending more blue as more and more Democrats have moved into the state of Georgia. Same with North Carolina. And then you got to okay. Then you got to pick off Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, then you got to go out and look into Arizona, New Hampshire. You, you I mean. We, there's no margin of error here. There's no margin. You know, for example, somebody goes in and they get the, the cancer cut out. Let's say they have a melanoma of some, of some kind. And the, the first thing they're going to talk to the patient about, oh, we have good margins, meaning the outside of where they cut, there is no cancer cells. That would be a successful skin cancer surgery. There's no margin for error here. You've got to run the table. That's why when I say all hands on deck, and every person listening to me is a spoke in the wheel, uh, that's not hyperbole. That's reality. Can we win? Yeah, we, well, sh- we proved it in 2016. We could do it again. Well, 70 million Americans are so against the Republican Party right now, it's not even funny. I oh. mean, these people turn their back on us. I don't know what polls you're looking at, but because if you look at Afghanistan, if you look at what? the way Joe Biden's handled the border and energy and COVID and... Uh, the economy well, and I national security. That. Well, he's, his we approval ratings thirty seven percent. The guy's doing a crappy job. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's say hi to Mark in Arizona. Mark, how are you? I'm great, Sean. I want to challenge the assertion that Joe Biden has failed in every way to take something and then build it back better. Because I know one institution that at least that he has built back better than ever, and that's the Taliban military. That's true. He did a great job. I'd also argue he's built back better Russia. They're getting rich. Putin's getting rich again. Russia's getting rich again. And I would argue he's emboldened China to an extent they never dreamed of in the Trump years. And even now with his envoy to Iran uh, now basically acknowledging that they're going to let Iran get nuclear weapons, uh, I would say he's building back better there, too. And I'll add one other point. Uh, all the energy we're importing as he begs OPEC for the lifeblood of the world's economy, he's building back better countries that hate our guts in the Middle East. And it, he's put us exactly. at... Yeah, he's doing a lot of building back better. You know, yeah. if you're a communist Sean, socialist wanna, like wanna, him. Wanna, yeah, Sean, I want to bring up something. Uh, I was watching Representative Raskin going on and on about how the, you know, the, the uh, capital was rushed by all these people. I, I have this question. Why were the Democrats on January 6th hiding under their desks? We've got to protect our institutions, and that means our capital. And people should a riot is a riot is a riot. I said all during the summer of 2020, the 500 some odd riots where thousands of cops injured as they were throwing bricks and rocks and bottles and Molotov cocktails at these cops. Thousands injured. Dozens of Americans were killed. Police precincts burned to the ground, attempts to build down, burn down federal buildings, city blocks taken over, and they were allowed to keep them for long periods of time where people died in them. These chop chaz, you know, summer of love, autonomous zones, spaghetti potluck dinner zones. So where, where is the investigative panel into that? Uh, where's the investigative commission into Kamala Harris promoting a bail fund to get the rioters out of jail faster? 
You know, where is the commission on Democratic Party silence because they didn't want to upset their base and say, stop rioting, stop throwing bricks and rocks at cops, stop burning down precincts, stop taking over city blocks. They, they, their silence was deafening. And then when you have two Republicans that would probably ask really important questions like, well, the White House suggested that you bring in the National Guard. Why didn't you do it, knowing that the crowd was going to be massive that day? Or the police chief from from Metro Police and, and the Capitol Police that resigned over this for no reason. He asked on six separate occasions for the National Guard to be called in, even before even before this day ever happened. So, you know, if we're going to investigate this one riot, let's investigate all 535 other riots that took place all around the country, because I don't I don't see a distinction. I see, as a matter of fact, more death and more harm came over the summer. With that said, though, we can't have what happened on January 6th ever happen again in this country. We've got to protect our elected officials. We've got to protect our institutions, which apparently Democrats weren't that concerned about in the summer of 2020. They only care about one riot. I, I'm rioting in all forms for whatever reason, cause, justification, rationale you might give it. It's still wrong. And, you know, are they going to hold the people accountable? Most states have already determined, even though they've got video evidence of people looting and arson, that they're not going to prosecute them. But they'll prosecute the people from January 6th. Now, again, we go back to a dual justice system. We've got to have a system of justice where it's equal justice uh, under the law, that we apply justice equally, equal application of the laws of the land. You don't just get to pick and choose. Well, you are protesting for a reason I agree with. We won't we won't prosecute you, but we're going to prosecute you because I don't like your politics. And, and that's about what it's come down to for some. You know, I'm, I, and anytime I see a riot. It's not going to end well. It's not good for anybody. And I don't want anybody in this audience ever getting caught up in, in the madness that some people get caught up in. All right. I appreciate the call, Mark. Thank you. My right, quick break. We'll come back right back to the phones. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right, back to our busy telephones. Uh, let us say hi to Maureen is in Florida. Hey, Maureen, how are you? You're a lot smarter than I am. What part of Florida? Uh, Ponce Inlet. Wait, where is that? Um, that is um, south of Daytona Beach. Okay. But before New Smyrna Beach in Volusia County. Nice. Sounds like paradise to me. It is. It, it definitely is. And, and definitely with our governor, it's uh, staying in paradise. So what's on your mind today? Um, but I, okay, what's on my mind is um, watching Jen Psaki yesterday, and I get very emotional about this because she continually says nothing, and when she says something, it's just offensive. When she was snickering at the treadmill being the biggest problem we have with the gridlock of the storage containers, when it's really affecting the small business, and their intention is to affect the small business, in my opinion, um, people are waiting for their supplies to either sell to consumers or, as with our business, we're waiting for an 
engine part to fix our boat for our charter business that we have here in our little town of Punks Inlet, and we can't get it, so we're a month and a half without any business waiting for this part. Listen, th- this is so, so common. And now, and by the way, now you're coming off, you know, a, almost, a, what, a year and a half of COVID and the pandemic correct. and the impact that that had on your business. Um, it's a, listen, correct. And the gas. Every single issue we talk about, Afghanistan, energy prices soaring, uh, the high price of goods, at, at we're paying more for everything that we have in every store. Uh, then you add the COVID disaster, the national security disaster of helping Putin, letting China do whatever the hell they want, accepting that Iran will one day be have a nuclear weapon. Any one of these things, it's a disaster. I never thought it could be this bad this fast. And I don't think I don't see any hope on the horizon at all that this Democratic Party is ever going to reach the the sober moment where they recognize that this is not working and it's destroying the country and it's creating instability all around the globe. You know, the importance of a strong America is critical to every man, woman and child, not only in this country, but around the world. Because we are the shining city on a hill. We are the light in what is a very brutal, very dark, in many places, very evil world. There's a lot of evil that goes on in in the world. You don't believe me? You know, go back to the last century. About 100 million human souls killed. Communism. Mao, China, uh, Stalin, uh, the former Soviet Union. Uh, Let's go to the killing fields in Cambodia. Nazism, fascism, imperial Japan. You get the point? Evil exists all around the globe. The force that has pushed back evil more than any other one force is us, the United States of America. Now we've got a a cognitively compromised, I don't think he knows what day it is, president, that is just following whatever his staff is telling him to do on any given day, but he can't take questions. He can't even read the teleprompter anymore at this point. Yesterday was an unmitigated disaster. How it got that bad, I can't possibly explain it to you. Let me just go back to yesterday. This this is the cognitive mess that is your president. Listen. Grant is where I played shortstop at the Grimmies Little League in the first year that it, it was put up. My dad helped build the field down there and spent a lot of time at, at Simmy's uh, buying penny candy and Hank's Hoagies on Woodlawn Street uh, watching movies of the Ruzy. I was the only kid in my in my era that I was able to walk across the lackey on that pipe that was just above the thing. And my dad had moved from Wilmington, Delaware to Scranton when he was a senior in high, a junior in high school. He went then was called St. Thomas, not the prep, but it was called St. Thomas in those days. That's St. Paul, so, you know, I, uh, my nickname was uh, Blackbird. I wasn't very big, but uh, you could beat me, but I'd hurt you. <laughs> okay, if that makes sense to you, uh, you're a lot smarter than I am. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Quick break, right back.